The Courage to Lead, episode 192. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Lori Palco, a proven leader, teacher, and advocate for successful purpose-based organizations. Lori coaches, mentors, strengthens team cultures, and builds sound financial strategies. A former president and CEO for the Morgan Corporation, a truck part manufacturer in Pennsylvania, Lori oversaw eight locations, annual sales of over $200 million with 1,000 plus employees. During her time there, she established a servant-based leadership philosophy focused on providing excellent customer service and value, instilling a growth mindset, and aligning all resources with the mission of the company. Lori, welcome to the program. Hi, Harlan. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Looking at your website, I love your website, by the way. Um, One of your, your taglines on there that you have an unwavering belief in unlimited possibilities. I love that. I I do. I mean, I think um, we need to always believe that anything is possible. And I think we see examples of that all the time with success stories in in business and life, um, in in medical fields and all kinds of fields. So um, there's there's a lot to be created and, and it's unlimited in my mind. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we limit ourselves. And if you can remove that block, anything's possible. Every day, we, we limit ourselves. <laughs> Every day. All right. We're going to come back and talk about that. Um, how you got your start, how you got to where you are, who you work with and how you help them. And at some point, we'll transition into courage and leadership. Um, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions uh, that I ask every one of my guests. These are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figured if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Lori, if you're ready, 10 questions for you. I'm ready. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word? A word that I love, it's a, it's a three-letter word is the word joy, because it just brings a high vibration when, whenever I even say it, it brings a smile to my face. Nice. What is your least favorite word? A word that... I, I hear a lot in my work and I've, I've used a lot of my work that um, triggers me is the word overwhelmed mm. because when I hear that a lot, I, for myself, when I use it or others, I feel in that victim mindset. Yeah. What turns you on? Um, personally, I love time with, with family, um, especially, you know, coming off of, of the COVID year. So I have deep, deep connection with family. Um, professionally, just learning and just leaning into a growth mindset and learning something new every day. Nice. What turns you off? I really um, don't like when people are late. Hmm. Um, people being late triggers me. I, I seem to think it's somewhat of a control thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? I love just hearing children laugh. Just 
when they can't, they giggle and they can't stop laughing. Nice. What sound or noise do you hate? Screeching sounds. Yeah. Any, anything that's a screeching sharp sound. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite curse word? Well, my 96 year old mom is, is upstairs in the house and, and she still looks at me when I, when I use the F bomb. So um, I would have to say it's that unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, if I could do anything, I'm a big sports fan. So I would probably um, be a general manager of a sports team or a salary cap manager for a sports team. Nice. Very cool. What profession would you not like to do? Um, I have a dear friend that's a hospice nurse. And that is just something I could never see myself doing. That, I admire him and the work, yeah. but tough. Yeah, that would be very tough. All right, final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Lori, we've been patiently waiting for you. <laughs> Good job. Emphasis on the patiently. Patiently. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Not Lori, we're ready. Gonna, yeah, exactly. All right. We're going to come back, talk about how you got your start, um, who you work with and how you help them. Um, and at some point we'll talk about courage and leadership. Okay. So listeners, we'll talk about all of that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Lori Palco. Lori, thanks again for taking time out to talk to us today. It's good to have you on the program. It's good to be here. So on your website, you talk about helping businesses manage change and transition. Now you've been through some changes and transitions in, in your career. How have those kind of helped you to get to, to where you are and help other businesses? Yeah, I, um, I, I made a move um, from Pennsylvania to Atlanta, which isn't uncommon um, to take a job as president and CEO of, of Dorsey Trailers at the time. And I signed a three-year contract. And at the end of that three-year contract, I thought, you know, there needs to be more in life than just um, making money for shareholders. And um, I really wanted to do something different. And at that point in time, I took a leap of, of faith and I um, took a job as an intern at the Atlanta Girls School, which was in its second year. And I became a middle school math teacher. Hmm. 
And um, so it was a, a big transition from the, the C-suite to um, teaching uh, math to girls. Um, so while it was a change I initiated, I still, you know, had to go through all the, the stages of, of change. And I became familiar with a tool called the change cycle. Hmm. Um, and that got me interested that and some personal changes. And I thought, you know, I want to, I want to learn more about how to navigate change because businesses and, and individuals, leaders were always going through change. Absolutely. So I, um, I decided to become certified as a change cycle consultant. Nice. And then the girls school, right. That, that grew into what, uh, the one, one schoolhouse. Is that what it was? Well, it, it, no, not exactly. Yes, um, indirectly. Okay. I um, was in the classroom for seven years oh. and, and also coaching. So I was in the classroom for seven years. And then in 08, 09, when we had the last recession, I, um, they asked me if I would bring my business experience forward into um, finance and operations. So I did. And um, then I also became on the board of an online school called, it was online school for girls at the time. And um, when I wanted, I guess I was beginning the next big transition where I had this desire to go out on my own at some point. So I left the Atlanta girls school and started working virtually um, with online school for girls doing financial work um, as well as as um, teaching some online professional development courses. Nice. And is that when you started your, your coaching? Yeah, I did. I started, I started um, part-time when I was still had the safety net of a, of a, you know, paycheck every couple of weeks. Sure. um, Seven years ago. And then I went out fully on my own in August of 2017. So I took another leap of faith that it was, was time to step into what I really wanted to do. So helping businesses with change and transition, what types of changes are they experiencing, the people you work with? Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess more what aren't they What aren't they experiencing, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot around um, personnel-related issues right now, hiring personnel, keeping personnel, the difference in you know what today's employee um, was compared to maybe when they came into the workforce, um, going back to more of an office structure coming off of COVID and working virtually. So it's more the traditional, um, you know, where before traditional leaders could be more of the boss with a a top-down approach. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're finding that one, I'm not sure if that ever really worked, um, right. but but two, I think in today's environment, it, with the job market and just how people have have changed and what they're looking for from an employer, I think they're struggling to make those changes. Yeah, yeah, especially after the pandemic, a lot of businesses changed their business model, and going from a, a all all hands on deck right. to now kind of a dispersed work group and everything. That's, that's got to be a, a heavy transition for, like you said, somebody who's used to top-down management. Now they have this dispersed workforce, a virtual workforce, and people wanting engagement and to feel engaged with, you know, that's, that's all that is kind of new for a lot of these managers that have been in the business for a while. It, it, it is. And um, 
how do I, how do I say this? It's, they, they want to be more evolved as a leader and they want to support what that the engagement that employees need and the flexibility that employees need. But there's this underlying fear, especially with entrepreneurs that, you know, am I really getting what I need out of the employees? And, you know, how do I know they're, they're working all day if they're, they're at home. So there's, there's lots of, of um, changes that I think leaders are going through to, to really adapt to what, what is changing in terms of the, the work environment. Yeah. And now uh, the other big change right now that people are feeling is, is the financial pressures with, with inflation. And again, the, the wage pressures with yeah. employees. So what I just talked about, you couple that with, with some of the wage pressures that they're feeling. Um, it's, it's a lot. It's a challenge. Absolutely. It's a challenge. Uh, and personnel was never really something a lot of entrepreneurs thought they'd have to pay a lot of attention to. Right. Um, we had a panel discussion um, just the other day, a previous guest from the podcast came on to talk about the great resignation, the great reshuffle or the reevaluation, whatever you want to call it. Um, how are your clients dealing with that? Are, have, they, have they seen a, a flow of employees out the door? Um, are they having to, to deal with that, finding new people now? Or um, have they stayed pretty, pretty solid well, I, I still work um, with some schools from a, from a coaching perspective and the amount of, of turnover in the, the school world and teachers yeah. leaving and administrators that are saying, no, this isn't what I signed up for is, is significant. So in, in that world, they're seeing significant um, turnover. And then again, backfilling that, they're, they're feeling the financial pressures. Yeah. Um, on the for-profit businesses, what I'm what I'm seeing is just holding on to to good people, and it's such a competitive marketplace. Yeah. And so, you know, what a lot of people tend to do they they're throwing some money at at the issue, um, and even sometimes that isn't enough because yeah. again, it's about work-life balance and flexibility and all the other things. So, yeah. it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah. And, you know, before the, the pandemic, a lot of businesses were saying, you know, we're having trouble finding qualified employees, having trouble, you know, keeping the employees now to put all this on top of it. That just adds to the pressure. Yeah. Especially in, in some cases in the for-profit businesses, some clients I work with, they're, they're ready to grow and they don't have the bandwidth yeah. because of some of the, the personnel pressures. Yeah. And so how, how are these business owners having to change their leadership style in response to this? What are they having to do differently or what are they having to learn? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think it's, um, they're having to understand what their desire to control is really about, like, and learning to trust and, and lean into other ways Harlan, for them to measure effectiveness and success and look at different metrics of success. So again, if, if they're working, you know, from a distributed leadership or from a virtual perspective, how do I make sure that I'm measuring the right things in terms of, of business success and giving my employees flexibility? Um, and it's just not where 
they're used to coming from, from a, from a, again, more of a top down, I need to be the boss. So I think they're really, um, they're, they're recognizing they need to evolve as leaders. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's a danger of going too far to becoming the buddy with your employees. Right. Um, I've worked with a couple of clients that have actually moved up in their company to where they're the leaders now, but that transition from being a buddy to being the boss is difficult for them. And now everybody's telling people you need to be more engaged with your employees. You need to talk to them and, and everything like that. It, it seems like there's sometimes a tendency to slip back to that. You, you lose the definition between the business owner, the, the leader and the employees, right? They try to come too close to that level. Are you seeing things like that? Yeah. And I, so they go to extremes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, if, if they go too far one way, you know, where I'm a, you know, I, I don't want people to be upset with me, but this is what I need. Then they may swing back to not um, leading in a way that, that sets up the employee for success either. And I, I talked to him about that. I said, you, you have to explain what's working for you, what isn't working for you, have a conversation. Um, you know, don't shy away from, from areas where, you know, things may not be working for you as, as the leader, as the, the boss, as the entrepreneur, you know, but they're sometimes still afraid to do that. There's a lot of fear right now still in terms of working with, with employees. Yeah. And just trying to get everything right. You know, that's, that's <laughs> tough, you know, cause there's so many moving parts now that, I mean, they were there all along, but now they're just uh, more visible, I guess, more heightened that uh, a lot of things that, that business owners have to have to struggle with. Well, yeah. I mean, um, again, I said, I work with, with some schools and some independent schools and, you know, they're, they can be very polarizing places in terms of, you know, what's happening in our, or in our world in terms of, you know, people's perception of what's right and what's wrong. And, and the same thing um, that I think leaders, they're, they're tentative. They, they feel sometimes like they have to walk on eggshells because, you know, they, they may upset one employee by, by saying something or, another group of employees by, by doing something else. So yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of that. A lot of that going on. So what do you look for in a leader? What do you, what do you hope your, your clients um, either learn or, or do better or, or focus on? What are the, the leadership traits you, you help them with? Yeah. Well, first of all, I come from the perspective from a coaching standpoint, um, similar to, to what it was like in the classroom where I believe um, in terms of one-on-one coaching that the person in front of me has the answers within them um, and has the ability within them, just like uh, with, with the students. Um, So I'm looking for someone that in terms of skills that I look for is, is someone that will, will lean into, you know, a growth mindset and and understanding that um, they, they can, learn and grow even with all the knowledge and expertise they may have in a specific field that they're open and willing to, to lean into that, that they're reflective and that um, they're open to seeing things from a different, different lens, from a different perspective and really trying to get people out of seeing things from an either or standpoint. 
Yeah. And so I ask a lot of, a lot of questions when I'm coaching with someone and, you know, that's to eventually get to action and some accountability. So I don't believe I have the answers, but I believe the executive, the leader does. Sure. Yeah. That's one thing we learn as coaches, right? That everybody, they know what they should be doing or they know kind of what they want. And it's just asking those questions to kind of guide them to discovering that within right. themselves. It is a discovery process. Yeah. Um, do you have a, an example of, of somebody that you've helped come to the, the realization of, of what they want to be and how they achieved that leadership? Yeah, I, um, I worked with um, an individual um, who owns his own business. I won't say the, the business, but, um, and he, it's a very transactional business, uh, but he's very relational. Mm-hmm. So he approached a lot of times his, his leadership style from a transactional standpoint. And um, even though he personally is very relational, he, he's always in the, the mode of trying to solve problems for others and, and handle the transaction and move on to the next issue. And really I've been working with him to take a step back and realize, you know, almost in that leadership role that, that he's playing the coach, mm-hmm. that really develop that, that workforce and that empowerment, that it, it comes from their relationship. Mm-hmm. That people aren't looking for him to have all the answers. They're looking for, you know, a conversation where, where the employees can grow and feel like they're coming up with their answers. So I'm, I'm working with him to really train him to be more of a coach and take a step back and ask lots of questions and lean into the curiosity of the individual in front of them, similar to what we do. What we do. Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's not always easy, right? Because a lot of managers you're brought up, especially old school, it's like, we have to be the smartest person in the room. We have to know how to do things and be able to, it's like, you don't have to. A lot of times your employees know, or they have a good idea of what should happen. By answering their question, you absolve them of the responsibility of thinking. But if you ask questions, well, what do you think? What have you seen before? What worked before? How would so-and-so do this? If you're coaching somebody else, how would you show them to do it? That employee can then come up with the answers and you, you know, congratulate them. Yes, that's exactly what you need to do, right? Support that. And now the next time they have that little bit more confidence in themselves when that comes up again. So it is a process of building, trying to build those employees, right? Right. But it's what you said. I mean, and again, if people are coming up through the ranks, I mean, they're, they're very accustomed to, you know, they moved up a lot of times because of their skill set or their specific knowledge or expertise in an area. Now, all of a sudden, they're responsible for leading or managing others. And they still think that that's their primary responsibility. Yeah. It's, it's a process. It's a journey. <laughs> it's a slow process. But definitely. So your website is love, money, and purpose. Yeah. Those are very important um, to individuals, but also for businesses, right? Yeah. It's, it's funny. I was, when I was thinking of, of my business name, my name is Lori Michelle Palco. And um, 
So when I was thinking, I thought LMP, you know, I write LMP a lot. And I thought it just came to me, love, money, purpose. And, you know, to me, that money piece is, is really that, that connector between the, the love and the purpose. It's the, the values and the essence and the culture of the business along with the mission of the business. Yeah. And it's the money that, that allows that to come to life. So I thought the money, you know, as that connector made a lot of sense. So, yes, I mean, it's, that's why I really like working with businesses to help them align their resources. And I didn't mention this, but it's not, it's, we don't have to go back, but love money purpose and a lot of work I do with, with women, but I, I said, love is I am enough. Money is I have enough and purpose is I do enough. Nice. So in working with women, a lot of times too, it's, there's, and, and not just women, but I, I find it working with, with women is that they're just never feel like they are enough or in, in terms of money and understanding it, that they have enough or they, they do enough with all the roles that they play. So, yeah. Uh, and that holds them back. Totally. I mean, it holds that's, them back the, yeah. that's the limitation that we talked about at the beginning. So, yeah. you know, what is the culture, the essence, the values of your business? And what is the purpose? What are you trying to do in the world? The resources need to align with those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that alignment is key. Um, so I had a debate with somebody a couple of years back um, that all coaching is essentially life coaching to some degree, right? Um, Gary Sinise used to play a character, uh, Mac Taylor on CSI New York. Okay. And one of the times he said, somebody asked him a question. He said, everything is connected. And to me, everything is connected, right? All the things you talk about, love, money, purpose, you have to have that, that foundational, those foundational elements in your life, but you also need those in your business. And I think if things are going well in business, things are probably going well at home. And if they're not going well at home or in the business, they're probably not going well in the other location. Do you, do you see it that way that basically the coaching we do is life coaching as well as business coaching? I totally do. I mean, because a lot of times um, we're, we're bringing our stuff to the, the business world as a, as a leader. And, you know, if let's see the example we were just talking about, if, if someone feels they have to be the smartest person in the world, then it's, it's really not about the purpose and, and, you know, the values that you may state in your business. It's, it's about you and there's something that's getting in the way there. So, um, sure, you're, you're going to be coaching to try to understand what's driving that in, intention. What, what is making you feel that you have to be the smartest person in the world? So I, I agree. It's all integrated. It, you can't separate them. You know, I, I used to use the work-life balance all the time, but, you know, is there really work-life balance or is it just a matter of, Again, it's all integrated in how you do one thing is how you do everything. So Absolutely. how you show up in business is probably how you show up in life. So yeah. I, I think it's all connected. I Absolutely. couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, communication as a, a leader, communication is a big factor. If you're not a very good communicator at work, you're probably not a good communicator at home. So any way that we can help you express yourself and become a better communicator, I think it's going to help on the other aspects of life too. 
Yeah, when I when uh, I've taught some online courses for one schoolhouse, it's about building trust with faculty, and I can't tell you how many times in the in the feedback on the course they say this is going to help me in all of my relationships. Yeah. It's not just in building trust with faculty. It's Absolutely. Whatever relationship I'm talking, a lot of times as a parent child, it comes up. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we were uh, working with one client with his employees, they were putting together their business processes, documenting the processes and making sure everybody was running those processes the same way. And I was telling him, you know, you have to set the expectation because mm-hmm. if you can set the expectation of what this job role is or, or the tasks that they have to do, what is the expectation? You don't have to have any arguments after that. It's that was the expectation. You knew the expectation. You didn't meet the expectation. So here's what we need to do. You know, right. my wife says, uh, you don't have to have a, what did, let me see if I can get this right. Cause it was brilliant when she said it. Um, you don't have to have a confrontation if you have a conversation about the expectation. Oh, I love that. Right. Yeah. Because it takes away the argument. There's no arguing and finger pointing and, and getting back and forth. It's like, no, 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 this is what's expected. You didn't do it. Here's what we need to do differently. And everybody's yeah, on the same page. I would even say move that expectation all the way up to to the hiring process. You know, sure. we talk a, a lot about performance management, and um, but we need to onboard people correctly yeah. so they understand the the culture of the business and the expectation and the norms of the business, and yeah. you know, continue to talk about expectations. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and that's the one thing I think some businesses drop is the onboarding process. You interview somebody, you think, wow, this guy's going to be a perfect, you know, addition to the, the group. And then you, when well, they walk in on Monday and you just say, hey, follow Bob and do whatever Bob does. Right. <laughs> okay. And all of a sudden that's, they're not meeting not expectations right. and, you know, right. you're, you're, well, I wonder why. So yeah, I agree with the clarity of expectations. Yeah. Absolutely. So on the, on the topic of courage, um, we talk about you know, there's some people who like to work for somebody else. They like to be an employee. They like somebody to take the risk, make the decisions, right? Uh, put their neck up the line. And then there's others of us kind of say, no, I want to do it my way. And that takes courage. A lot of people aren't courageous enough to, to walk away from the comfort zone and the safety net of the nine to five. Where did you find that courage to say, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to start my own consulting, you know, coaching business. Where did, where did that come from? You know, I had great role models in terms of my parents, in terms of a, their work ethic. And, um, you know, the fact that you got up every day and you went to work and, you know, the only thing that a company owed you was a, was a paycheck that, that didn't bounce. So for a lot of years, I just put my head down and worked and worked for other people and, um, you know, just tried to to do the best job I could every day. And what I saw in a lot of different situations, both professionally and then in organizations I was involved in, I saw this this misalignment between, you know, what um, the business or the organization was saying and, and what they were actually doing a lot of times. And it just did not sit right with me in terms of, um, you know, feeling like, you know, I could continue to show up in integrity and being my best self, if I didn't see that type of 
alignment within the business. So at some point I got, I, I guess the pain of staying put <laughs> um, was greater than the risk of going out on my own. And I think I just um, had the faith that I could land on my feet and I knew I had a financial background to, to fall back on. And I thought, you know, I could live with the worst that could happen. Right. Um, but I'm not sure if I could live with being out of integrity with myself. And yeah. I made that, made the, a couple leaps of faith over the years. Sure. No, and that's a, a great point. The, the pain became more than the risk. And we as humans, we're motivated, right? To move towards pleasure or away from pain. Mm -hmm. If the pain is not that bad, you'll stay there and you'll suck it up right? When that right. pain starts coming up and you start looking over the other way and say, wow, that looks a lot better over there. You'll make that move. Um, I, I don't know. Is, is it the fear that holds people back or is it that they don't have the, the, the education or the background or the, you know, the risk tolerance to, to make that leap? Yeah, I think, um, when in the change cycle work that I do and the consulting I do around transition, you know, the first stage is, is loss, is some mm -hmm. sense of loss and some sense of, of comfort. And I think we want to stay in that, that comfort zone as, as long as we can. And I think so the, the fear keeps us, us paralyzed and, you know, I, as I work through people on, on transitions and we, we go through a series of questions, just had a conversation earlier with a client. I said, Laura, you asked, what is the worst that could happen? And I could, I answered that and I could live with that. So I could take the next step. They still were going through the stages and they still had doubt about that next step, but they could at least get through and say, I can take this leap of faith. And I have the courage because I have clarity now that, okay, I can live with potentially what could happen. Yeah. And that, that, that change process um, is very similar to the grief process, right? You have to go through those stages and understand, at least understand what those changes, the, the phases are and discuss those phases and think about them. And if you can work your way through those and realize if I get here, it's not the end. If something right. doesn't work out, I can always come back and do this, right? I can survive. Right. It makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say if, if we can learn to navigate change and understand those stages and, and ask and answer questions for ourselves to move through those changes. I, I talk to organizations about their ability to spiral up, but their inability to work through change within their organization. I think it's what keeps a lot of organizations tamped down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My background is organizational change management. Uh, my wife and I, that's when we founded our, our consulting company on. Okay. So working with companies that were undergoing some major change and a lot of times the executive team that have been involved in the conversations for a long time, they've had all their questions answered. They don't always think about the employees. They just assume the employees are going to come along. And that's well, not always the case. Correct. And they assume that, that 
it's going to be good for them. Like, and they tell them this, this change, and this is what it's going to do for the company and potentially for you. And what I have found is that immediately when any time a change is introduced, you're processing it first. How is it going to impact me? Right. So I don't, I don't want to hear about everything that, that it, it may be good for everyone over here. How's it impacting me? Yeah. And, and that's what I, I like working with organizations on, that they understand the human dynamics of change, yeah. not just the implementation and the outcomes that they're looking for. Exactly. Yeah, because without your employees there, the, you don't have a business to speak right. of, right? And the thing about employees or as humans, uh, we fill in blanks with our fear. You know, if you walk into a, a dark pitch black room, the first thing that comes out is all those fears. There's spiders, there's clowns, there's all these things, right? <laughs> Same thing happens when, oh, we're making this change. If you don't know what that change is going to, how it's going to impact you, you start filling in all those fears. I know as consultants, when we would go onto a, a, a project at a client site, they would see the consultants walking in the door and everybody immediately thought, oh, we're all getting laid off, mm-hmm. right? You have to communicate with them. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's the benefits the business will get. Here's the benefits you'll get. Here's how your life, your day-to-day life is going to change. You have to communicate those things or you lose your team. You'll have people walking away, right? And you have to communicate not just once, but, and, and COVID was a great example with some organizations I worked with. You also have to communicate. I don't, we don't have all the answers. Okay. We may not, we don't have all the answers right now. We don't know what this may look like, but be committed to continue to communicate with employees and keep them informed because just like they'll fill in those fears, they'll fill it in with misinformation if you're not giving them information that they need to move through. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Changes, changes everywhere. Change happens whether you want it to or not, you know, we used to, you know, our, we were called organizational change management. You don't really manage the change. You manage the outcome of change, right? You manage the communication to help facilitate that change. So, right. And that's where, again, I like this model that I've become familiar with and, and trained in is, is understanding how do you help individuals personally get through the change so you can achieve the organizational change that you want? So it's, it's, and it doesn't matter if it's, if it's something like I found in my own um, big changes that I've made, whether it's a change I've initiated or one that's been imposed on me, yeah. you still go through the same. You still same go through process. it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have any folks working for you right now? I don't, I have some, some contractors that I use at times, but I'm the, I'm the only employee right now. The solopreneur. Yeah. But when I have, when I have the opportunity with some projects, I have some, some people that I call on that uh, I love working with. Nice. And in your previous lives, you've had other people reporting to you, direct reports, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, when, yeah, up until I went out on my own, uh, I, I did. So if I was to bump into any of those folks that used to work for you, or the contractors currently work with you, if I was to bump into any, any of them and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? I would say that they would say that I'm a very principled and disciplined leader, that um, I'm focused on, on the work 
but at the same time, I, I do it from a very um, compassionate, um, I'm a great listener. So I think they would say that I combine those skills of, of really being disciplined and focused and intentional about the work, um, but also be, very supportive. Nice. And so That's listening- what we're talking about. Yeah. Earlier, right? Sure. But so if, if listening is one of your strengths as a leader, um, what would you say is one of your weaknesses? Probably it's somewhat what I, what I'm teaching as well is that it's still hard for me to say no sometimes and with my own time. So even in my business now, I, I probably say yes to some things I, I uh, probably you know, may not be in my best interest long-term. So I think protecting my time a little bit, um, not that I'm not available because I think people would say I'm always approachable, but Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes even though I'm disciplined and intentional, I, I can get um, too scheduled and that word a little overwhelmed with taking on too much. Overwhelmed. Is, is there a whelmed? How do you have overwhelm? Is there a whelm? <laughs> I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Um, what type of courage do you think is most important for a leader today? Moral. Yeah. Moral courage. Um, it's kind of the foundation. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I, you know, I always say the right thing to do is always the right thing. You know, the right thing is always the right thing to do. And, um, you know, I think in today's world and the polarization in, in which we live in, I think it gets harder and harder to, for um, leaders to sometimes do the right thing. But whether that's yeah. letting an employee go, saying no to a customer, um, you know, taking a stance on something that's, that's foundational to your business, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to, um, to do that in the short term, but if you do that in the short term, I think it's what builds your long-term success. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, on the short term, there's so many, you know, stakeholders you have to be concerned with, right. Um, investors, you have, uh, you make your decisions. You have to, you have to play the long game. You can't do the short, short game on things like that. So what's right. the absolute right thing to do, even if it's tough, even if it's against, you know, common sense. It may be against, you know, what your, your advisors are saying, do what's right. Right. So yeah, to me, it's, it's, it, it always was moral courage. I think it's even more so now. I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, Lori, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking time out to, uh, oh, well, to be on the program. Yeah. yeah so if, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about your programs um, and your speaking engagements too, you're available to, to speak to groups and everything like that. They, uh, how could they find you? What's your website? It's my, my name, um, Lori, L-O-R-R-I, P-A-L-K-O.com. So LoriPalco.com, and you can uh, reach out to me through the website and uh, get in contact with me. I'd love to talk. Excellent. Yeah, very good. Love your website. I think it's very well, well done. Did you do that or did you have that? No, no, that is not, that is not a skill that, that Lori, Lori has. So I had some help with that one. It's very good. Love it. 
All right. I will make sure that that link is in uh, the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you. And uh, again, thanks. Thanks so much for taking time out. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. And listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. A lot of good information here. Uh, Definitely check out lauripalco.com and uh, yeah, share this episode with your family and friends and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now. 